All right, good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. This is Don Fox on the Weekend Report. Uh, weekend Report will come out uh, maybe not on a weekly basis, but uh, you know, as we get time and as we can prepare for the shows, we will put them out, and uh, we're glad you tuned in. Okay, so uh, today we've got a, a, a very special guest, uh, uh, William Fink from uh, Christogenia.org. And the we're going to do a, a series of you know two or maybe three shows here, or maybe more if it takes that. Um, we're going to break down, you know, basically what what I like what I wanted what I told Bill was I want Bill on to do the end of the world, you know. <laughs> so, you know, in our conversations about that, uh, it, it came up. Look, really, nobody is going to understand the Book of Revelation unless you first know. Um, who who white people are, who the European people are, and who the Jews are. Um, so we figure that's a great place to start, and that, that's a subject I've I've uh, touched on before with uh, uh, Adam and Garth over at the Kras Files, and uh, uh, Bill has done a lot a lot of work in this this area, and uh, we'll uh, get the benefit of of his uh, years of research uh, into this subject. And with that said, uh, welcome, Mr. William Fink. Hello, Don. Thank you for having me. Praise Christ. Great to have you here. Um, so, you know, I I started, uh, as people may or may not know, I, I picked up your stuff last year on your uh, Protocols of Satan series. And I was really, uh, really struck with how... Uh, in depth and, and accurate your information was on uh, you know the history of the Jews in Europe and you're doing a Jews in Europe series which is which is excellent I highly recommend all that um, but I figured today maybe we could uh, uh, tailor some info more towards the the newer people to Christian identity uh, there's a lot of uh, misinfo and disinfo about what Christian identity is and uh, I think to start with, to maybe clear some of that up, let's maybe find out, you know, maybe explore, you know, who the true Israelites are. Well, well right. I, I mean, we've had, well, we've had a series of, we talk about the world, right, the end of the world. The, the word world, it's most commonly trans, translated from Greek, is cosmos, and Cosmos means the order of things. That's all it means. It doesn't refer to the planet. It doesn't refer to any um, particular area of the planet. It doesn't refer to a single government, but it could. Cosmos in context in all ancient Greek writings and in the Bible just simply refers to the order of things as they are. So the end of the world is not the end of the planet, and you don't yeah, understand. That's the, yeah, I was going to say, that that's a great point. The the Earth, the you know terra firma here, the, the ball, the globe that orbits the sun, and it is a round globe, by the way. <laughs> uh, we're not going to go into that today. But that that's going to be here no matter what. Now, what is the fate of the people on said globe, I guess, is probably a better... Well, right. Better, and, yeah. and, you know, I just had to throw this in as a point of interest. The English word world comes from two ancient Saxon words, we're and 
old, and it really means the age of man. The word were or we're is like the old we're guild, what was a um, a, a, a fee paid in, in order to redeem a man, that, that or a debt or something like that. That that word means man in Old Saxon, and and old means age, from which we get our word old. They're the two words that gave us the word world. The age of man has nothing to do with the planet. So we've had many so-called worlds in the history of our race, and our world was not always in Europe. At one time, it was in Mesopotamia. And that's the world from which the Bible came. Now, we could talk about prehistory, if you want, and, and the archaeology of, of ancient Europe, but I would only like to say, in, in summary, that in archaeology, they take scant findings of stone tools or carvings in rock or, or carvings in bone that they find in, in Northern Europe and Central Europe and or Western Europe, and they call it they name a culture after it. And they lead us to believe, because that's the goal of these evolutionary archaeologists and biologists, these evolutionary scientists, that these people are our ancestors, even when no human remains were found whatsoever. And they're not our ancestors simply because they are our predecessors. And you cannot extrapolate a culture as we understood, as we understand the way the, the, the term means today. You cannot extrapolate a culture as we understand a culture today from a couple of bones or, or carvings or stone tools. It, it can't be, it, it's a ridiculous assumption. We did not originate in Europe. There are huge gaps in the archaeological record, and we have a clear and consistent historical record and mythological record which demonstrates that our origination, the origination of the white race as it is today, is in ancient Mesopotamia. And that is where we came from, and that is the source of all of our oldest myths, our oldest writings, our oldest civilization. The my, my detractors like to say, oh, he's trying to make white people the real Jews. That's not true at all. I'm simply just trying to correct the white man's view of history, which was the view of history that most of the academics of our race, the true scholars, if you go back and read all of the medieval scholars of, of, of the English and the Germans and the Italians, they all understood that the cradle of our civilization was in Mesopotamia. That's why we're called Caucasians, because they understood that we came through the Caucasus Mountains into Europe, and that's half the story, but that's what the historical records of our race inform us. The, the, um, the finding of a few small traces of predecessors in Europe that aren't necessarily even white, is not 
the discovery of our ancestors. The discovery of our ancestors is right in the Greek and Roman and other early writings of our race. I don't so, know if you want to... It, it, yeah, our race goes back yeah thousands of years as, as an organized people. And uh, in the Bible, um, I've, I've heard you describe it as the book of the white race. Absolutely. And, you know, there's a lot of confusion with with the Old Testament. Well, aren't those people in the Old Testament Jews? Well, uh, absolutely not. The Jews, you know, these, a lot of white nationalists and a lot of um, people that are onto how the Jews operate today fully understand that for the last several thousand years, the Jews have been infiltrators and subverters of civilizations. If you look at the people that wrote the Hebrew Bible, they were a pastoral people. They were an agricultural people. They built up a civilization based on, first, an agricultural calendar. That's like totally alien to the nature of the Jew. They had an agricultural calendar, which was based based on the governance of, of an agricultural civilization. So how could you think that these people were actually Jews who have always been subverters and, and merchants and, and infiltrators and thieves of the agricultural and, and industrial people of the world? It's, did the Jew change his nature? Does a leopard change its spots? I would hope not. I would think not. The Jew hasn't changed his nature. He's a subverter and infiltrator of society today and a thousand years ago and five thousand years ago. The Jew is the reason the people, the proto-Jew, is the reason why we have constantly moved west. Our society has been, our people have been migrating away in order to try to establish places of their own away from these bastards for 5,000 years. Yeah, Jews are not known for farming, okay? They're, uh, they've always avoided, um, uh, you know, I was reading one one piece and uh, talked about how Jews don't want to be involved in agriculture because uh, they need to be able to pick up and move at a moment's notice so they can get in on the latest scam, you know, wherever it may be. You know, uh, they're a, they've always been more of a nomadic type people. Just as the Jews subverted, infiltrated and subverted medieval Germany, um, late medieval England, and, and they tried earlier, but Edward threw them all out. The United States today, any world culture, they were doing the same thing 5,000 years ago. They subverted, they infiltrated and subverted the culture of Judea in 200 BC. That's what led to all of the division of the Judea of the time of Christ. Christ was a response to Jewish proto-Bolshevism. He was the response to that. He he was not the product of that. 
and even Adolf Hitler realized, and and many other great men have realized that the the, the spirit of, and the nature of the words and and writings of the early Christians are absolutely contrary to and stand against the the spirit and nature of these Jews who have the same spirit and nature today that they had then. They bring Bolshevik revolution wherever they go and create Sodom and Gomorrah on the ashes of the civilizations that they manage to subvert. That's what they do. Yeah, yeah as Samuel Roth, a uh, Jew, once said, our major vice of old, as of today, is parasitism. We are a, a people of vultures living on the labor and good nature of the rest of the world. Uh, it is my belief that nothing the Jew does in America is essential to its welfare. On the contrary, a great deal of what the American Jew does in subversion is in subversion to America's best interest. The Egyptian Empire, in the middle of the 3rd century... I shouldn't say empire yet. I'm sorry. I should be scolded for that. The old Egyptian kingdom in the middle of the third millennium, around 2500 BC. And this is evident if you read the first couple of chapters in a book called Ancient Near Eastern Texts Related to the Old Testament, which was published in 1969 by Princeton University. It's a valuable treasure trove of ancient inscriptions which have been discovered by archaeologists. It gives the provenance for every single inscription and an English translation. And it, it's um, the pinnacle of, it represents the pinnacle of Near Eastern scholarship. The um, Even though some Jews worked on the trans, some of the translations. If you read these ancient Egyptian inscriptions, you'll see that in the middle of the 3rd millennium B.C., 2500 B.C., the Egyptians did not consider other races as people. Only Egyptians were considered as people. And whenever an Egyptian temple was founded, it was described as a creation. It was a creation, and the community around that temple was the quote-unquote world of that creation and that God. And the ideas which are apparent in the Hebrew Old Testament are much along the same ideas, that the establishment of this Hebrew people under their God was a new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. In ancient Sumerian manuscripts, the terms heaven and earth simply referred to, and, and not all the times, because sometimes they should be taken literally, but they simply referred to the seats and palaces of the government and rulers as opposed to the common people who lived under those governors and rulers. So they were used as allegory, allegorical terms to describe the organization of a nation state. And that was called heaven and earth in the ancient Sumerian inscriptions. By the 
beginning of the second millennium BC, probably about 18, 1900 BC, there are Egyptian inscriptions from the Middle Kingdom. The Middle Kingdom started to become diverse. Egypt became an empire and started to rule over other peoples as well as the native Egyptians. And that is when you start reading in their religious inscriptions the idea that, and this is explicit, that God made all people, whether they were black or white or brown or red. And you can see in ancient Egyptian inscriptions the transforming of their religion from a Egyptian-only religion, and the original Egyptians were white, there should be no doubt, to a multicultural religion. Over 700 years. You could see it right in their inscriptions. It's plain as day. And that led to the ultimate downfall of Egypt. Well, that same process led to the ultimate downfall of every ancient empire. The ancient people of Israel are not the only ancestors of today's Europeans, but the nations described in Genesis chapter 10, the nations surrounding the ancient Hebrews were all white nations, and the ancient Hebrews were clearly, historically and biblically, a white people. The other races did not figure into the equation, except that you had this race of accursed Canaanites and Rephaim and and Kenites who were in their midst, who were all listed in Genesis and the early chapters, who were in their midst, and these people were supposed to be, first they were supposed to all be killed. Now, a lot of people would think, oh, that's a horrible, mean, evil God. Well, once you understand that today's Jews and, and the Arabs, to a great extent, are descended from those Canaanites, you could understand why God told, why the God of the Hebrews told the Hebrews to kill them all. Because they create Sodom and Gomorrah everywhere they go. It's inherent in them. The Bible does not explain the origin of all races. It only explains the origin of one white race. In the earliest chapters of Genesis, there are two trees... There are other fruit trees and, and, and things that we could eat from, but there are two trees that are allegorical. Those allegorical trees are the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, everything before Genesis chapter 10 is prehistorical and is represented in the Hebrew scriptures in parables. Those trees are not supposed to be taken literally. The tree of life describes one race of people. And the other races of people that aren't really considered people are the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And they're called serpents and snakes and dragons and beasts. And all of these pejorative terms describe them because they're not considered people. Just like in the ancient Egyptian religion, non-Egyptians were not considered people. So you have a tree of life, which is the white race in, in ancient Mesopotamia and, and, and the Levant, 
when I say the Levant, I mean Palestine, and, and Anatolia, which is equivalent to modern Turkey, and all of these people are white, and that can be established in history. The historical part of the Bible starts in Genesis chapter 10, and it can be proven, and I have one essay on my website, which gives a sketch of that. And there's a podcast version of it, too, that builds on that sketch a little bit, but called The Race of Genesis 10. It can be proven beyond doubt that these Genesis 10 nations, except for the accursed Canaanites, who just happen to be a portion of our race that race mixed, these Genesis 10 nations were all originally white, and that all of the modern nations, the nations of modern history, can be traced back to those Genesis 10 nations, every single one of them. Yeah, yeah that's a great point. Um, now, I've, I've come across, and I, I think you've mentioned them too, you know, there's these, uh, you know, the black Hebrew movement or the, you know, the, the blacks that think they're descended from the original uh 12 tribes of Israel and to, to, to fulfill that um, okay the ancient Israelites uh, you know they, they, they wrote and spoke in Hebrew um, where's the evidence for these these Africans having <laughs> such a language well, well absolutely that the yeah, you know if the blacks were the original Hebrews why didn't Paul of Tarsus write an epistle to the to the to the Mandingos. Where's the epistle to the Hutus? It How about an epistle to the to, to the Hottentots? <laughs> How much time did Christ or the disciples spend in Africa? Well, well, they spent zero time in Africa because to the ancient Greeks, Egypt wasn't really considered part of Africa. I mean, Egypt was a culture and place of its own. It straddled the Nile River. And to the Greek geographers, the land to the east of the Nile River was actually Asia, of which Arabia was a part. And the land to the west was considered Egypt as far as the Nile River Basin was concerned, and beyond that, it was considered Libya, and they didn't have the same concept of the, the continents that we have today. To the um, to the ancient Hebrews, Ophir was the west, what was the eastern coast of Africa on the Indian Ocean, below Egypt and Ethiopia. Below that was Ophir. Ophir was not the entire continent. The Romans, however, borrowed from the Hebrew word Ophir. They called the continent Afer. And Afer is the original Latin term for Africa. And Afericus would be the Hellenized term in the genitive case, and that's where our word Africa came from, Africa. 
but they the, the original Hebrews and and the oldest Greeks did not consider Egypt a part of Africa. Africa, no. They had a different view of the world. And when we talk Africa, I mean, really, we're talking about sub-Saharan Africa. I guess would be the probably a more more accurate term. You know, the, All the, of North the, Africa, yeah, was white. Yeah, it, it was. Yeah, at one point, and and Negroes or blacks, I should say, leaked up through Nubia into Egypt. The earliest Egyptians um, had have inscriptions mandating the death penalty for any Nubian in Egypt who wasn't a slave or in chains, and and eventually that barrier was broken down. And the Egyptian pharaohs started diddling with Nubian women. They had Nubian harems in, on, on the borders of, of Sudan. And that was the downfall of Egypt. That was the start of it. So, okay, so we touched on ancient Egypt. Uh, I guess maybe uh, one thing that comes up, or okay, so who were these ancient tribes of Israel? Well, well, the ancient tribes of Israel are a portion of the Hebrew people who who were appointed by God to, and, and, and whether or not God is true is a whole different program and a whole different set of, of proofs and, and discussion points. But these ancient Hebrews were appointed by God so that the history of the white race, the Adamic race, would be centered around them that the other nations of the Adamic race had all gone off into idolatry. And that idolatry is related to the so-called tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is also in places in the Bible called fallen angels, an ancient civilization that departed from righteousness, that departed from the ways of God and fell off and the ancient biblical literature, which is related to the Bible but not found in it, even though hints of this are found in Paul's, in Paul's epistles and in the Revelation, there are hints of this. There are little inferences and passages which support it, especially in Colossians chapter 2. There are a couple other places. That this ancient tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is also called Satan, the devil, the serpent, that old serpent, the dragon, um, this represents an ancient race that fell from the grace of God because of rebellion against God in the form of race mixing, miscegenation. And you have to resort to the Enoch literature, and I would not really wholly trust the Ethiopian Enoch literature, but you would have to resort to the Enoch literature in the Dead Sea Scrolls, which the Apostle Jude quotes in one epistle and substantiates that in, in his epistle. The Enoch literature in the Dead Sea Scrolls describes, in part, the race mixing that caused these so-called fallen angels to fall. Now, we have examples of it in Genesis chapter 3, in Genesis chapter 6, in another context, not in the context of things that happened before the race of Adam was established, the white race as we know it was established. So, th these things are, are all um, 
a part of the biblical writings that this these so-called fallen angels were a a tree of the knowledge of good and evil a, a a civilization that was at one time good and turned to evil it's those people that our race are supposed to be distinct from were commanded in the bible to be separated from many of the white nations fell into that same pattern of miscegenation and and worshiping the gods of the other races and that led to their decay and their demise. We see that in turning back to Egypt again, right? Yet, you know, these gods, the dog-headed god Anubis, the goat-headed god Mendes, they did not come into the Egyptian pantheon until the Egyptians started a race mix. Today we see something that, that's... um. Not quite the same, but it is the same. Today we see white kids in every city in the United States acting just like the Negroes. Instead of lifting the Negro up to the level of white society, whites are being dragged down to the level of the Negro. That is what the Bible warns us about, and that's what happened in Persia, in Assyria, in Greece, and in Egypt. Well, and it, it, it's what's happening in Detroit and right. Baltimore and Chicago, and it, among the, other places. It's the exact same pattern. And it could be demonstrated from ancient history that the exact same international merchants were behind it. Yeah, there's, there's a group of people that their number one agenda is to destabilize and destroy white society. And we've seen them at work for a long time, and you know, we'll, we'll get deeper into who exactly they are, but you know, it, it's, all, it, it's, it's the same game has been going on for thousands of years now. No doubt. That's why every ancient white empire has disintegrated. It's disin it's explained in, in, in the scripture. It's explained of Egypt in, in the words of the prophets, um, Isaiah, Jeremiah, I believe Ezekiel. It's explained of the Roman Empire in a prophecy in Daniel, in Daniel chapter two. That the iron and the clay would, would mingle and, and cause the empire to fall. Yeah, empires don't just fall. Um, you know, I think the, the common thought among people is, well, these empires, they just get big, and then they they fall apart, and then they sprout up again, and that's just what happens. Well, there's a, there's a conscious effort by a certain group of people to bring the empire down. Right. The people that built it. The people that built the empire like to bring it down because it destroys our race. In, in the case of the Roman Empire... But when you have a um, when you have a nation of homogenous people, you do not need. Uh, I mean, you do not need. You do not need a military force within that nation working to keep the people under control. No, you don't. You know, the Russian Empire, the Tsar, before the Bolshevik Revolution, had a police force of about five thousand men. That was it. That was all they needed. For the entire Russian Empire, they had a police force of about 5,000 men. 
How many cops did you see? When we were kids, well, when I was a kid back in the 60s, seeing a cop in a patrol car was a rare thing. And when you saw one, they were always friendly. That They always waved or, or, or said hello. You never saw cops. And they were friendly when you saw them. They were like Adam-12. That's the, the, the world I grew up in in the 1960s. Adam-12. And, and then... By the time um, the Immigration Act was in past and, and billions of Negroes moved up to the north from down south, and at the same time we had all these Puerto Ricans and Cubans coming in in, in immeasurable numbers, the police forces started to slowly become militarized. And then with the drug war, that really took off, right? But but they slowly became militarized because you need a tyranny in order to control a country that has multiple different races of people. Every nation that becomes an empire becomes a tyranny for that reason. And that internal strife the Jew has always taken advantage of and used for his own benefit and his own profit. <clears throat> to divide and conquer. Um, yes. Yeah, multiculturalism cannot exist without a militarized, tyrannical police force. And the result of multiculturalism is always Egypt. Why? Yet, you know, Egypt was the greatest nation of the world in the third millennium B.C., why has it not been a great nation now for 2,500 years? Actually, about 2,800 years. Greece was the greatest nation of the world in 450 B.C. Why, is it, why has Greece produced nothing of cultural significance since the fall of Byzantium in 1453? Because the Turks race mixed Greeks, and and that was that was done at the beckoning of the Jew. There is no doubt that the Jewish merchants were behind the Turkish and Arab destruction of Byzantium. No doubt whatsoever. It, it, there's yeah. more that could be recorded about that than, than you could shake a stick at. No doubt the Jews were behind the Islamic invasions of Spain. Why? Because in 500 A.D., Justinian, as well as um, Theodosius I and Theodosius II, excluded the Jews from the Byzantine Empire. In the, sixth, in, in the beginning of the 7th century, the Goths, the Gothic kings, turned to Christianity. Once they turned to Christianity, they excluded the Jews. So the Jews had to bring Turks and Arabs. The Jews invented Islam and brought Turks and Arabs against the Goths in Spain, against the Byzantine Empire, until they could destroy them. Because the Jews were excluded from them. Well, we're getting way ahead of ourselves, but... Yep. In, in, um, in, in all of the ancient books of the Greeks and Romans, until about the 4th century A.D., you have a people known as the Phoenicians, as well as the Greeks themselves, settling the Danube River Valley, settling... The Greeks had salt mines on the Danube. Hallstatt is one example. 
in Austria. The um, settling the Danube River Valley, settling the river valleys of France and, and Spain, and settling in England and Ireland, all of the original peoples of those lands came from the Greeks and the Phoenicians and other related tribes, which are all listed in Genesis chapter 10, the Thracians, the Lydians, for instance, the Etruscans of Italy, by all historical accounts of the ancient Greeks, came from the Lydians of Anatolia. So you had this westward migration, and there is never any record of resistance from aboriginal peoples, because there weren't any aboriginal peoples. The people known as Germans also came from Mesopotamia. And they started with the Cimmerians at the very end of the 7th century. They started migrating out of Mesopotamia and traveling around the Black Sea and down the valleys of the Danube River and, and the other river valleys of Europe. In perhaps about 390 B.C., these people known as the Galatahi raided the lands of the, of the Etrurians, or the Etruscans first, and then they besieged Rome. They attacked Rome. And Livy, the Roman historian, said that they were a new and strange people. So the Romans, who have a history in Italy that goes back to the 12th century BC never saw the Gauls, the Galatahi, until they came pouring out of the Danube River Valley and through the Alps into the lands of the Etruscans and besieged Rome about 390 BC. That's because they had just recently come out of Mesopotamia through Asia, through the modern day Ukraine, that they, some of them made settlements around the Black Sea, and the bulk of them came down the Danube River Valley and started to pour into northern Italy and France, because that was the, first, it was the easiest path to travel. Second, it was the path which led to the most fertile and pleasant lands, because northern Germany, above the Danube, was inhospitable and for the most part, uninhabited. The western coasts of Europe were a, an exception because they had been settled by the Phoenicians and other related peoples at a much earlier time. And because they had better climates because of the Gulf streams and, and, and the movements of the ocean, they were easier to inhabit. Northern Germany was inhospitable, and the other Germanic tribes, as they came out of Asia, were forever trying to push west of the Rhine and south of the Danube, until the Romans built up enough forts along the Danube and along the Rhine to keep the Germans out. There were never any truly permanent settlements west of the Rhine and north of the Danube that were from before perhaps the, the, the 4th or 5th centuries B.C. 
and the tribes that were there at that time wanted to get the hell out of there because it was a hard land. It was deeply forested, that there were a multitude of swamplands, and it was a difficult land to survive in. And and that's when the Romans and the Greeks started to meet resistance in Europe is when the Germanic tribes started migrating out of Asia down the Danube River Valley and into what we know today as Germany. <laughs> but that was late in history. The, the, um, the, there, there, there are always going to be exceptions. What about this archaeological finding? What about that one? And, and yes, there were people there before them. And they left many settlements before them, but none of those settlements were lasting civilizations. A, a few um, a few barrows or, or a few stone monuments do not add up to a lasting civilization. We have a clear record, a clear historical record, in the not just one Greek historian or two Greek historians, but all of the Greek historians and Roman historians agree on the basic movement of the Germanic peoples from Asia into Europe on the origination of the peoples of Western Europe with the Phoenicians and on their own origins because a lot of the Greeks understood that they did not just spring up in Greece that they too had come from Palestine and from Mesopotamia and the Romans understood it as well the Etruscans came from Anatolia. The Romans, by all accounts, have their origination with the Trojans. The Greeks, by all accounts, are, are um, actually several different original tribes. The Dorian Greeks came to Greece from Crete. And before they were in Crete, we don't have a Greek record of before they were of where they were. But we have Hebrew records that show that they came from Dor in Palestine. That's why they were called Dorians. The Danan Greeks, who were the Greeks that had fought against the Trojans and destroyed Troy, archaeologists know the Danan Greeks as the Mycenaeans. By all accounts, the Mycenaean, by all secular archaeological accounts, the Mycenaean Greeks arose in the 16th century BC, well, by all Greek accounts, they came from Egypt. They were called Danans. That was the Hebrew tribe of Dan. And the Bible substantiates that that narrative. Yeah, so people that think that this nomadic gypsy tribe of, of people were the actual 12 tribes of Israel, I mean, it is just out to lunch because they never formed any sort of a coherent, you know, functioning society. They've just kind of moved around. And now the people you're talking about were, you know, farming. Okay, what were they looking for? They were looking for farmland. They were you know, right. They were yeah, agriculture. Like you say, you know, our people are. I mean, who who is better farmers than than white Europeans? Right, and that, that is what they were looking for. You could trace the, um, <clears throat> the presence of the olive tree in Europe. All of the olive trees in North Africa and Europe 
came from Palestine through the Phoenicians, who planted olive trees wherever they went. That is kind of that is interesting. I hadn't. I actually have that documented somewhere on my website from an article from National Geographic, which was from probably the mid nineties, if I had to guess. So, what are the the biblical conditions that a people would have to meet to qualify as being the these twelve tribes? So, uh, doesn't it talk about uh, the uh, the ancient Israelites being a blessing uh, to the rest of the peoples of the earth? Well, well right, absolutely. The, the beginnings of the promises to the 12 tribes, that they would become many nations of people, not just one roving nation causing everybody else trouble, but many nations of people, starts in Genesis chapter 12 and is repeated all throughout the scripture, especially in Genesis chapters 48 and 49, and, and then even further on in Deuteronomy chapter 30. And, and when you get to the prophets of, of Old Testament Israel, the promises that they would be um, scattered and where they would be scattered to are replete, that the, the Bible is full of them. And history, ancient history, real ancient history, and when I say real ancient history, I mean ancient history, <clears throat> which can actually be read from the pages of old books and inscriptions. To hell with these evolutionary scientists and their genetic science, which is all built on a house of cards that I could destroy in two seconds. This ancient history gives us the same story of the migrations of people from Palestine and Mesopotamia that the Bible gives us. The, the inscriptions and the secular historians of ancient, of, of ancient Greece and Rome verify the prophets of the Hebrew Old Testament and the promises which were made to these 12 tribes of Israel all the way back to the book of Genesis. It's all verified. It can all be correlated. That's basically the, the, um, the core of all of my work at Christagenia. And everything that I say on my website throughout all of my Bible commentaries and historical essay, essays is documented book, chapter, and verse. Not only with the Bible, but with Diodorus Siculus and, and Strabo and Herodotus and, and the Greek tragic poets and the Greek epic poets and, and the list, the, the list is endless. That there are, um, countless Assyrian and Babylonian inscriptions which, which I've cited to support my contentions concerning the origins of the European people. So, yeah, and when we look at what the European people have produced, um, 90% of scientific breakthroughs are from Europeans. Um, let's look at all the inventions. You know. and, and the other 10% are probably from, from from schools that were founded based on European technology and, and probably money belonging to Europeans, at least originally. Yeah, I, I I think you know Chinese and, and Japanese have probably contributed some, but let's face it, the the European people have have been gigantic in science, in agriculture, 
Um, I mean, inventions of white people, skyscrapers, automobile, airplane, cell phone, uh, the computer, you know, the transistor, electricity. What, what, I mean, it goes right. on and on. I mean, what, I mean, and, and the, the, the people of the Bible were supposed to, like you said, form many nations, not one roving nation. Yeah. What, how many nations have the Jews actually ever formed? I mean, barely one, and that only, and that outlaw state only stays afloat with massive aid and, you know, military and financial from, from the other white nations. Well, well, right. The Jews have created zero nations. You can't even count modern Israeli. They haven't even formed that. That was formed on the blood of the British. And then once the British established it for them, they blew up the King David Hotel because they didn't need the British anymore. Yeah, that, that, that state that's in Palestine today uh, was designed from the beginning to be a nuclear terrorist state. And that's what it's become, and that's what, it, that's what it's done. That is the history of that. So worshiping those people is literally worshiping the, the devil. Well, well, that is literally true, and, and that is what Christian Zionists have done. They, have wor- they worship the devil. That there is no doubt. The, the people that we know as Jews, in, in the second century, okay, well, we have to start further back than that. In the eighth century down through 585 BC, all of the real, true white Israelites were taken into captivity by the Assyrians. This is found in the Bible, but it's also found in the Assyrian annals of Sennacherib and Sargon II and other great Assyrian kings, which we've dug out of the ground in Mesopotamia. We've dug them out of the ground at Nineveh and the other Assyrian cities. Now, all of these annals are, are, are available right at the University of Chicago website. There's a huge collection of, of um, Assyriology, it's called, of Assyrian documents. Now, the Babylonians took what was left of Judea, which, after the Assyrians were done, was basically only the inhabitants of Jerusalem that had spread back out into the countryside over a hundred years after the Assyrians had left. So, hundreds of thousands of people were taken into captivity and relocated by the Assyrians and the Babylonians. And the relocation of populations in ancient in, in the ancient world in Mesopotamia is actually mentioned by Greek historians who were afraid that the Assyrians or the Babylonians would do the same thing to some of the Greek cities. And they expressed that fear in their records. Now, it's, al- it's also mentioned throughout the ancient inscriptions. So it's a historical fact that this kingdom of Israel and kingdom of Judah that they certainly did exist and that they disappeared in the way that the Bible says they disappeared. And it's all documented in these inscriptions, Babylonian and Assyrian. Now, under the Persians, around 520 B.C., 40,000 to 45,000 in there, the the number is 42,000 and something, and and then there's a couple of thousand added to it. 
Judeans, I'll call them Judeans because they're not Jews, these are white Judeans, were permitted to return and rebuild Jerusalem, which they did. Now, those Judeans were under the yoke of the Seleucids, the Greek rulers of Syria, after the time of Alexander the Great and the overthrow of the Persian Empire. And they grew powerful enough, with, with the Egyptians also constantly fighting the Seleucids over the control of Judea and other lands, eventually they grew powerful enough and the Egyptians grew weak enough, because the, Egypt was on a rapid decline at that time, so that, um, so that, and, and the Egyptians at that time were also the Ptolemies, right? They weren't Egyptians. They were the Ptolemies who were Macedonian rulers of Egypt. Eventually, a people called the Hasmoneans, who came to the high priesthood in Jerusalem, grew powerful enough militarily to overthrow the Seleucids and gain their independence. And that happened about 155 BC. Now, the Romans didn't come and take over Judea until about 70 down to 60 BC in, in that period. Now, what happened in the meantime was that these people in Jerusalem in, from 155 to 129 BC had been trying to destroy the Edomite and Canaanite peoples that lived in their vicinity and they could never get rid of them. That they just couldn't get, that they, they were too, too numerous. They could always defeat them militarily, but they could never get rid of them. And in 129 BC, a man named John Hyrcanus became the high priest and the, the ruler at Jerusalem. And he decided, instead of getting rid of them, to convert them all. So he forced them all to convert to Judaism. He forced all of the Edomites and Canaanites, who were the ancient enemies of the people of God and the people of Israel, he forced them all to convert to Judaism. Not only a couple of Edomites and Canaanites in a couple of cities, Flavius Josephus, in Book 13 of his Antiquities, lists perhaps 30 towns and cities that were forcibly converted to Judaism. 30 is a guess off the top of my head. It's at least a couple of dozen that they forced to convert to Judaism and all of these Edomites and Canaanites, because they would be allowed to dwell in their own cities and, and stay and, and create a diversity of, of um, <laughs> create a diversity of perversion, that they were invited to do that, and they took it. And Josephus explains that they all accepted Judaism, and Josephus says that from that point on, they were considered nothing but Judeans. In English it says Jews, in Greek it says Judeans. So, the Romans come into Judea, and a pretty crafty Edomite, the son of a, of a rich merchant named Herod, figured that his family was in with the with, with the high priest's family that they were um appointed by the high priest to to keep the Edomians the Edomites who who lived to the south of Jerusalem in check and Herod 
figured that he was going to get in with the Romans and side with the Romans when the Romans came to Judea. So he sides with the Romans to get the favor of the Romans, and the Romans take over Judea, and then Herod bribes the Romans. He actually bribed Mark Antony with eight or nine hundred talents of silver, which is a considerable sum, to make him the king. And the high priests who had rebelled from the Romans were rejected, and Herod became the king of Judea, Herod the Edomite. And as soon as that happened, he started appointing, and this is evident in the pages of Flavius Josephus, he started appointing all of the Edomites, the conversos, right? The ones that were not Judeans, they were not Israelites. He was appointing all of these Edomites into all the positions of power in Judea. And that is the Judea, that is the multicultural mess of, of devils and saints that Christ was born into, and the apostles were born into. And yeah, that's, that, that's the same thing we see today with this, this, it's like termites coming in and just infecting your, your kingdom or your nation. Your state, and they just get you get infiltrated, and you get overrun, without a and, doubt. And they just they just eat your entire substance, kind of from the inside out. And and that's what happened. John Hyrcanus, when he became the high priest, didn't have the heart to continue the campaign to kill them all, so he decided to convert them all. And that's but what he you, did. You can't convert a termite into a. Uh, you know, into a, a functional creature. You know, I mean, it just, it, it is what it is. After the time of Christ and the apostles, most of the true white Judeans had been driven into the lands of the Greeks and Romans. They fled. The Romans came and destroyed Jerusalem, and these termites were left behind with the identity of the true Israelites that some of them were probably, some of them were certainly race-mixed with those true Israelites, but they were race-mixed. And they had been left the identity of the true Israelites when all of the real Israelites had gone off and become Christians, for the most part. Well, yeah, I mean, what, what, if you're, how are you going to live a, a regular life under uh, Herod? In, uh, and, and his crew, I mean, that that's, that would be like, it would be almost like appointing Netanyahu to be the president of the United States. The Sadducees were the high priests in Judea from the time of Herod the Great all the way to the time of the destruction of Jerusalem. The Sadducees, as Josephus explains them, did not believe that God had any concern. They wouldn't deny the existence of a God, but they did not believe that God had any concern over affairs on earth or whether men did right or wrong. They did not believe in the eternal existence of the spirit or the spirit's existence after the body died. The Pharisees were basically the ancient equivalent of today's liberal progressives. They controlled Judea for the entire time from Herod the Great to the destruction of the temple. They were actually also the prevailing sect, sect that created the Talmud, which is a whole book that, it's a whole volume of arguments against God. 
basically. That's what the Talmud is. It, it's um, especially the commentaries on the law. It, it's 100% antithetical to the Hebrew Bible. Well, yeah, it sounds like a bunch of uh, yeah lawyer briefs or uh, right. you know, something like that. These Sadducees, when you read Flavius Josephus, were operating the nation as a crime ring. Josephus wrote about how they stole all the tithes from the priests and used them for their own benefit. So the priests, the real priests, the Levitical priests of ancient Judea, were living in poverty because the Sadducees came into their towns every month and stole everything they had claiming that they were entitled to it. They were running Judea. If you read Flavius Josephus, books 17, 18, 19, 20 of Antiquities, they were running Judea the same exact way that the Bolsheviks were running Russia. Yeah, so, yeah, really, these guys were the Bolsheviks. Uh, right. They were proto-Bolsheviks. And today, they're still Bolsheviks, and they're waiting to do the same thing to America. And, and they've already done it to a large, large extent. Right, I mean, but when not, you, not quite to the point that they were doing it in communist Russia, though. I mean, when you look at the Communist Manifesto, and you compare that to what we have here today, I mean, you know, we have a central bank that controls all the, the issuance of all currency and credit. Uh, there's a central planning uh, there's a graduated income tax, you know, free trade. All this stuff is right out of uh, the Communist Manifesto. In Bolshevik Russia, for the first few years at least, they had laws. They had free love laws where no woman could turn down the advances of any man. If you wanted to have sex with a woman, you just went up to her on the street and said, I want to go to bed with you, and, and she had no choice. And the Jews did that to destroy the white stock of Russia and create a whole new race of Jews. Yeah, uh, the the Bolsheviks. I mean, the the term Russian Revolution is is a, a huge misnomer. It wasn't Russians that were behind that revolution. No, it was a Jewish takeover. It was Jews. Yeah, there wasn't a bunch of Russian peasants that decided, hey, the Tsar needs to go. Right. The, the Jews had actually um, put bullets to their head to help them in the revolution, but the Jews had imported Chinese and, and, and this is the sad part of it, Chinese and Latvian mercenaries to do their dirty work in the early years of the Bolshevik Revolution because they understood in its earliest stages that they weren't going to turn the Russian people on themselves. But if they brought in mercenaries from the Baltic states who were always at odds with the Russians, right? The, the Latvians, the Lithuanians, the Estonians, that they were always um, hateful of the Russians for things that the Russian Empire had done to the Baltic states. So they were more than willing to be mercenaries for the Jews against the Russians, and the Chinese were more than willing to supply mercenaries to the Jews against the, for the Jews against the Russians. That's how they kicked off the Bolshevik Revolution. That's how they made it successful. And once they got the people to a point of starvation, it was easy to, to turn the people against one another. Yeah, and this was all financed by Jewish New York Wall yeah, Street Yeah, right. Banks. It was all financed by Jacob Schiff and the Rothschilds. 
yeah, City of London, New York, Wall Street. Russia and has were, been a pawn of the of, of the um, the city in London for its entire history, and don't think that Russia is free of that. Vladimir Putin puts on a good show, but it's just one gang of Jews against another now. Yeah, it's, he put a couple of the he ran a couple of the, the Jewish oligarchs out, but there's still a bunch left behind there. Yeah, he ran a couple out that wouldn't go with his version of the program. But this his his closest associate is Boris Abramovich. In fact, Putin's daughter just married a Jew who built Putin a huge dashau on on the um I think it's on the Black Sea, but it might be on the Caspian Sea. There were recent articles about that. Well, I guess we we've jumped up from ancient Israel to to Putin. <laughs> yeah, right. I, I mean, yeah. Putin's in bed with the Jews, just like Donald Trump's always been in bed with the Jews. He might be a better uh, a better choice than Hillary Clinton, but don't think he's going to free us from Jewish supremacy. And, and if he tries, he's going to die, or, or we're going to have war, one or the other. There's no third choice. No, it, it, as a president, if a president resists the Jewish agenda, he is taken out. Yeah, right. He's going to end up like Jack Kennedy or, or like yeah, they tried to do Ronald Reagan. Yeah, that's exactly where I was going. The, the Kennedy assassination was a Jewish operation. And a lot of people that have been researching JFK for a long time, oh, it's not, it's the, oh, it was the Joint Chiefs of Staff or it was the CIA or it was, no, it was international Jewry that was well, behind well, the Kennedy hit. You you want to do a series of programs on the on, on the end times and and that's fine I'm all up for that but you can't understand the end times unless you understand the beginning times you might think that you could think up a better way but you know our ancient wisdom is not for naught we don't still have this book called the Bible for nothing we haven't found all these Mesopotamian and Babylonian inscriptions for nothing this book is true and if you don't understand it as your beginning so that you have a solid foundation of who's who in the world you don't know what the end is going to be no you have no clue at all and i it, i didn't understand any of this stuff like say eight or nine months ago or maybe a year ago is when i started uh studying christian identity and i'm like once you you look at the bible through that lens and then you you study what's going on around you everything comes into a a very clear focus, and the picture painted is, is very stark. And it, a, a book that's you know thousands of years old is stunningly accurate with what's going on today. And we'll 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 dive more into that into the next show. But as we were talking about um, the the twelve tribes of Israel were ended up becoming the the ancient or you know the, the modern European people. Well. That's true to the most part, because there are other of those white nations among us, or that we ourselves may have partially descended from, depending on which part of Europe you're from. But for the most part, yes, that is true. The 12 tribes of Israel became the bulk of the modern European nations. And, and those Europeans went on to found the United States and Australia, uh, South Africa. Right. If you understand that the, the if you understand the identity 
of the ancient Hebrews and the formation of Europe from the people of the ancient Israelites and their white neighbors, then the whole Bible comes to make sense. And all of the blessings of these people are easily seen as fulfilled. Yeah, now if you think the ancient 12 tribes of Israel became Cubans and uh, Mexicans and Africans. Um, right, throw your Bible away. <laughs> yeah, just forget it. Okay, it's over. You know, right. I mean, we've we've kind of traced through the history of our, our people, you know, where they came from, uh, where they went, and, and where they're going. And you can see why now Europe is under attack. That's the camp of the saints. Yep, and that's what we're getting at. So a lot of the modern, and we'll cover that in the next show. Um, we'll, we'll we'll wrap up with, you know, the kind of, where did the Jewish people come from, I guess? Maybe we'll hit, hit that real quick. Right. Well, well, we just did to a great extent, yeah. but we didn't get to, their entire entire history. Yeah, so you know, if you're a two seed line guy, you know, we'll have some people coming across. Hey, what's all this, all this two seed line business? So maybe why don't you give a a quick, you know, maybe a rundown on that? Well, well, first let me say that um, traditional two seed line has always been mocked and scoffed at because it taught that an angel came down and boffed Eve, and all of the bad people in the world descend from Cain because the angel boffed Eve. And that's a simplistic, that's a way over-simplistic interpretation of Genesis chapter 3. Two-seed line to me isn't um, all of the descendants of Cain versus all of the descendants of Abel. Two-seed line to me is first defined in Scripture where it talks about a tree of life which is the Adamic race that God created on earth, the white race, and a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which is an entire race of people that the Bible calls fallen angels, which is just another allegorical term. And these fallen angels went out and corrupted the original creation of God and destroyed it. And all of these Cubans and Mexicans and Mestizos and Arabs and the Jews themselves are members. They are branches. The Chinese, the Indians, people think Chinese are a pure race. That just flies in the face of history. And the Indians, they're nowhere near pure. They're the most impure race, maybe next to the Jews. These are all branches on a tree of knowledge of good and evil. Two seed line is us against them. And I can prove that that is exactly what the Bible teaches. But I would need a series of programs to prove that to the fullest extent. I already have that series of programs on my website. It's called Pragmatic Genesis. It's 28 programs. Yeah, and I highly encourage people to listen to, to that. Um, I, I've listened to your whole Revelation series. Um, I've listened to your Protocols of Satan series. Um, you know, just looking at uh, all the yeah, and all the Christogenia um, 
programs I've listened to, uh, you know, the Minor Prophets. Uh, there's a lot of good stuff there. Uh, the Gospels, Matthew and Mark, and German Origins. You know, we we had touched on that today. You know, the the Scythians, right? Um, right. And the, the, the Anglo-Saxon people. Um, and when, when you find out who the Germans really are, and then you find out, you know, who the who the Jews really are. You can see why they're so hell bent on destroying the German people. Right. Absolutely. It, because the yeah the, the the Jews in order to to gain power you know in in modern in the modern era here they've to conquer the West they've you know starting a couple three hundred years ago they morphed themselves into God's chosen people. Absolutely. No Christian you know four hundred years ago no Christian believed any of this stuff. No, and that, they took over um, took over. The, uh, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. All throughout the Middle Ages, the, the Christians of Europe sort of took it for granted that the Jews were right, that they descended from the people of the Old Testament. But, and that's because they didn't know their own history, and that's true. But they always saw the Jews as being a cursed people. They never saw them as being a blessed people. The, the, if you read Martin Luther on the Jews and their lies, or, or what what he wanted to do about the Jews and what he said about them, they believe he wanted to destroy them. Martin Luther was the first Adolf Hitler. He wanted to de- he he was deceived by the Jews early in his career, but by the end of his career, he knew better because of his experience with the Jews. He wanted to strip them of everything they had and force them to live in the open fields and see if they would do any honest work in order to let themselves survive. And he said that anybody that helped them should be put right there with them. <laughs> he, he, he wanted to destroy the Jews. Yeah, so they, they morphed themselves into God's chosen people, and they took over the issuance of money. Right. Well, well, they that they did that by default. They've always been usurers. The Jews, the Edomite merchants, they were never the the Hebrew Bible forbade usury. They've always been usurers, but Christians forbid usury, and the white Christian nobility, being made up of weak-minded and and corrupted men to a great degree, has always used the Jew for the purposes of usury and to extract money from the common people. But the the Christians could not loan money at usury. And Christian writers were adamantly, especially the German reformers and and St. Thomas Aquinas and men like that, were adamantly against the Jews and their usury. They wanted to strip the Jews. Thomas Aquinas wanted to strip the Jews of every dime they had. And he advised Prince Mar- Princess Margaret of Flanders to do it in a letter, to take it all from them, that the Jews shouldn't keep anything they've gotten from usury. Well, if you understand the way the Jews functioned in the Middle Ages, everything they had, they had gotten from usury. Yeah, how many countries have they been thrown out of in Europe? I mean, how many times have they yeah, been? Yeah, it's like 200 times they've been thrown out yeah. of practically every country in Europe. Yeah, they get they get the boot here and then they end up popping up somewhere else. I mean, I mean you got to hand it to them, they're persistent. You know, they they don't just go away. Uh they they keep coming at you. I mean, they 
they fiercely fight for their own survival, but they they fight to survive so that they can live parasitically off of you. Right. That's how they live. That that they're responsible for um, all of the vice and and corruption that we have in today's society. Who's the greatest purveyor? Who's the greatest panderer but the Jew? Who's responsible for all the prostitution and pornography? Who's The prostitution's driven mostly by the drug trade that the Jew is the primary operator of. The pornography is produced, 99.9% of it's produced by Jews. And the other 0.1% might be some Facebook selfies <laughs> from some Jewish polluted whores that, that the... Um, the Jews have always peddled vice because vice creates a need in medieval Europe for usury. Vice, gambling, and prostitution created a need for usury in medieval Europe. So one hand works for the other. And the Jews control both ends. Yeah, the, the Jews were behind... Uh um, weren't they behind the uh, prohibition movement here? And then that... that um, well, there's more to prohibition yeah. than you think. Yeah, but they, they helped it along, didn't they? And that, that jacked up prices, and then you got the bootlegging. And then you, the modern mafia kind of grew out of that. And First, the, the Jews trade. wanted to take control of the liquor industry, the underground liquor industry. They wanted to yeah. control that. So they... They created prohibition, but the greater reason behind that was that before prohibition, and most people have no clue of this, before prohibition, on small farms all over America, farmers were making alcohol to fuel their own farm tools, farm equipment, their tractors and stuff, but they were also selling alcohol so that people could fuel their automobiles. So alcohol was being bought right off small farms all across America to people that, rural people that had cars, automobiles. The Rockefellers didn't like that. Yeah, the oil magnets did not, yeah, I could see where that would. Um. They wanted people and, and farmers to be dependent on them for fuel. That was probably the primary reason for prohibition and everything else was propaganda but at the end of prohibition and, and I got a personal stake in this because a, a personal um, emotional interest in it because my family came here from the Rhineland in Germany in 1836 and established a beer brewery in 1872 which was forced to close at prohibition and it was sold off in pieces so um the 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 whole prohibition that the alcohol people dying of alcohol poisoning and all of this what was just trumped up propaganda that the oil companies were behind because they wanted to make Americans dependent on them and as a um as an added bonus the Jews were allowed to basically that they were able to take over the liquor industry. Yeah, isn't that the free market at work, though? Well, well yeah, but, you know, the I Jews mean, were already <laughs> printing the money and financing whoever they wanted to have money. 
Jews could yeah. go get loans a lot easier than white Christians could go get loans. Loans. <laughs> and in in order to buy everything up, the Seagrams right. were bootleggers. The Brothmans that that Seagrams Seagrams um, whiskey in in Canada. That was the Bronfmans, and they were some of the biggest bootleggers of whiskey into America. In fact, they were supplying Al Capone. Yeah, that's how the they built their business. The Bronfmans are large players in the Kennedy assassination. Right, Joe Kennedy. What was? Um, I, I don't know. The rumor is he was a bootlegger too. But if he was, he was probably one of the few white bootleggers, except for the um, that the. Family farms down south, right? Yep. And, and weren't the Duponts prominent in uh, uh, banning uh, hemp? From what I understand, yes, and I believe that. I believe that because they didn't. Hemp was a, another huge cottage industry in this country, and marijuana really isn't banned because of marijuana. Marijuana was banned because that's how they got a back door into destroying the hemp industry. So they destroyed the hemp industry in this country through the ban on marijuana. And and the hemp industry was huge. Hemp is one of the most productive crops per acre that we have. People were making rope from it. They were making clothing from it. That they were fueling that their um that their alcohol stills with it because it made great. You know, hemp is a very versatile crop, and it was it's a very productive crop. And the Duponts didn't want the competition. With, with um, all of their other alternatives to cotton, that that's I, I lean towards believing that and accepting that that the Duponts had a great deal to do with that. So we've we've managed to go from uh, uh, the end of the world to moonshine to the ancient Egypt, I and mean, we've covered a lot of ground here uh, today. But I think it's it's. Uh, it's, I think this is going to prove to be a very fascinating show for a, for a lot of people. Um, perhaps we'll just uh, get ready to wrap it up here. Um, I'm just going to plug your site again, you know, Christogenia.org. And I'm Donald Fox. You can catch my stuff at donaldfox.wordpress.com. And uh, uh, it's a free blog. Uh, Bill, um, you know, he's got some T-shirts there. Uh, you might want to think about buying those. He's got CDs. Um, you know, all the shows are available, you know, to download for free, but, uh, Bill puts a lot of work into these shows, folks. I mean, a lot of hours of research go into this stuff. Um, I've listened to him for a few months now and this man really does, does his homework. You know, if I didn't have to work 50 hours a week, maybe I'd be, <laughs> I'd be up there with him. But, you know, so what you can do is you can say, Hey, uh, this guy, you can listen to some of these shows, go, Go check out the references for yourself and say, yeah, he's he's right on track here. And uh, he's got a wealth of knowledge, and uh, any any thinking person in today's world needs to really uh, listen to this stuff. That's uh, Christogenia.org, uh, so C-H-R-I-S-T-O-G-E-N-E-A.org. If you're it, catching this podcast um, somewhere out there. It's not the easiest word to spell, but Google does pretty good with the misspellings of it. 
Yeah, I, I haven't had much trouble getting there, but you know, we're we're reaching out to some new folks here, and hopefully, uh, we get to a few of them. And uh, uh, Bill's work is is great. Um, you know, and it's it jives once you start listening to Bill's stuff, and you go out and research some of the stuff on your own, which I've done, and it 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 all it all uh, paints the same kind of picture. And you know, for me, I got here from a different angle. Is you know, we talked about in the last show, I. I got to this place through 9-11 and JFK research. And I'm sure we're going to have some more people, you know, coming through those ranks. I sincerely believe that once we, you know, the Jews destroyed classical education in this country and and in Europe. And they did that because British Israel, I, I mean, for all their faults, the British Israel people, and they were... British Israel people, it wasn't only British Israel, there were similarly minded people in Germany, in France at the time. The British Israel people were not wrong. When Britain made all of these wonderful archaeological discoveries at Nineveh and, and in Egypt and started to put the story together, the result of that was the so-called British Israel movement that is scoffed at today. And I know why that they're scoffed at today, and they deserve it. They're scoffed at because they still took it for granted. Even once they learned their own identity, they still took it for granted that the Jews were the people of God. And that was their hugest mistake. They should have looked more into the history behind who the Jews are. And perhaps they wouldn't be laughingstocks today. Christian identity is true. If we had the classical educations that the Jews destroyed in the Western nations, then a hell of a lot more of us would know that Christian identity is true. Once you understand the identity of the peoples of the Bible in correlation to the identity of the Jews and the peoples today, there is everything comes together, and your faith and your knowledge of history and your knowledge of the scripture have no conflict with one another any longer. Yeah, see that that's that's exactly it. When I when I first started, I'm like, hey, I, I can't buy any kind of theology that that tells me that that these outlaws in, in Palestine today are God's chosen people and that we're supposed to help them. And when, when it turns out they nuked New York on 9-11, would, would God's people nuke office buildings with people in them? You know, no. Would, would God's chosen people assassinate a president in broad daylight at high noon on the streets of Dallas? No. Of course not. My no. My, my history and my theology and my common sense view of the world all tell me consistently that other races should be excluded from white culture, that the Jews are demons, and that only whites have the capacity to build a harmonious culture. Of course, before we do that, we've done it plenty of times in the past, but before we do it so that it is lasting and durable, the Jew has to be taken out of the way, and that's what the Bible teaches. Yeah, it's kind of a built-in defense mechanism against the Jew, which is why, one of the many reasons why Jews have always attacked Christianity. Well, right. They promote paganism because they know that it pulls people away from the truth. 
I mean, paganism could have it, its racial consciousness, but that can also be and has been undermined it, in a lot of so-called pagan circles. And, and I have plenty of proof and evidence of that. If paganism was the main paradigm of the European peoples, the Jews would have undermined and destroyed that just like they've undermined and destroyed Christianity. Only the Bible and adherence to the Christian Bible presents us with a sound defense against the Jew. The problem with modern whites is that they don't believe the Bible. And, and they accept the Jews as the people of the Bible. That just destroys everything. Well, the way the Bible has been presented to the public, um, it, it, it is somewhat incong- incongruous. So it, it's... It, the story that you know the that gets taught to people doesn't jive with the reality around them so it's easy to see why people may stick their toe in the water with christianity and maybe even get in ankle deep but then to say hey, this is not this doesn't match up with what i see well right and that's absolutely true and that's because the way that people are taught the bible is just wrong the way to learn the bible is based on classical civilization and ancient inscriptions and you get an entirely different story you know when you, jews, yeah this jews have yeah. been leading christians astray about the bible ever since the most popular bible commentary of the middle ages was written by a converso jew named nicholas of lyra in the 13th century and even martin luther quoted it so yeah the subversion's been going on for a long time and right. you know we get this you know the you know, you get the, probably the, the most disgusting example would be probably John Hagee today. Yeah, uh, he may as well be the devil. I mean, yeah, he, he might as well be a rabbi. Um, it's like, oh, they don't need Jesus. Well, how can you call yourself a Christian and then turn around and say that people don't need Jesus? Even if you believe that salvation's open to everyone, like there's this group of people that, don't need to be don't need Christ to be saved well well right you can't be a christian because jesus himself said that no one gets to the father except through me so if you're any kind of a christian you should at least recognize that i don't care if yeah. you're a multicultural christian or not you have to recognize that hagee even denies that so he's really teaching rabbinical talmudism he's not teaching christianity not at all, not at all. So there's people there like, you know, Hagee, when, when people see Hagee on TV or, you know, his ilk, that really turns them off from Christianity. I think I think a large purpose of those shows isn't to, you know, although I mean, I'm sure part of it is just to get some money out of the chumps out there, but I think the larger purpose of those televangelists is to just turn people away from religion altogether. Oh, yes, absolutely. They're, they're keeping those people... It's not a religion of Christianity. It hasn't been a religion, a true Christian reality. It hasn't been a true form of Christianity for over a hundred years. The universalism has been around for a long time, and wrong ideas about Christianity have been sown into Europe for 800 years now. And yes, I have records that prove that. But 
In the early 20th century, two Bibles became very popular that are very, very friendly to the Jews. And that's the Schofield Bible and the Bullinger Bible. And they're still on the shelves today. And they are still widely quoted in seminaries across America and widely used because they have been, they represent the best Christianity that Jewish money can buy. Yes, exactly. And so we, we see the Jews uh, infiltrating Judah, and they're really Edomites that were not not true Judahites, right. know, not true Judeans. Even and, Christ says in the Revelation, beware of those who say they are Jews, where he said Judeans in Greek, and yeah. are not, but are the synagogue of Satan. These people saying that they're the people of God, Christ told them, you do not believe me because you are not my sheep. Now, the mainstream churches teach that they're not a sheep because they don't believe him. But that's not what he said. He said they can't believe him because they're not a sheep. So the, the, the question of identity of the Jews is raised throughout the New Testament, but Christians don't accept it. They, they don't accept what their own Bible teaches them. Yeah, and, and Christ himself said, I am not sent, but unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Right. And that's not the Jews. In Acts chapter 26, and Acts chapter 26, verses 6 and 7, after Paul was arrested in Jerusalem by the Jews, at the command of the Jews, he said that he was in chains... For the hope of Israel belonging to our twelve tribes, which the Jews were against, which the Jews were opposed to. Right there in Acts chapter 26, Paul of Tarsus is telling us that the twelve tribes are a separate entity from the Jews. And the Jews are a separate entity from the 12 tribes. It's throughout the New Testament. But the Christian, the average Christian, would rather listen to John Hagee and believe him. Jabba the Hutt. He's like Jabba the Hutt of evangelicalism. And they'd rather believe him than believe Christ. Or even Paul. Yeah, well, Hagee's got a nice... You know, he's got a nice building down there, and uh, that's, you know, on TV it looks really good, and it looks like a lot of fun to go there and clap and cheer and, and all that. But it's all BS. It, it's yeah, all... Right. It's all garbage. It's all garbage, yeah. You've just wasted whatever time, you know. I mean, you might as well watch Dancing with the Stars. Well, well that religion what was created in order to... It, it's a state religion. And it's created for the maintenance of the state. It's not created, it, it's not Christianity that's being taught in these churches. Any 501c3 organization has to comply with certain um, boundaries that are set up by the IRS or you lose your tax exemption. And if you lose your tax exemption, the donor money you get that can no longer be written off will go to the next guy, and you won't get it anymore. So they all have to comply. They can't talk about politics. They can't talk about race or ethnicity. They can't discriminate. The Bible's a whole book full of discrimination. Exactly. Yeah, it is. And it's... 
all the promises and the, the covenant were with the, the people, you know, with Jacob Israel. They are teaching a perverted form of Christianity that's Christianity in name only. It's not Christian at all. And it's tailored for the maintenance of this state, that this tyranny that we live under today. Yeah, it's this, this multicultural nightmare. Right. And, you know, even, I mean, really, if you look at it, and, you, and if you talk to black people, they're not really... On a certain level, they're not really happy living here now. Sure, they got better shoes, maybe, and an iPhone and an EBT card. But, you know, there's a uh, white society on the whole. It's not built for them, and they don't really fit into it. And there's a lot of angst there that they have to live under these type of conditions. Um, so Absolutely. It's, so you're, you're kind of putting a, a square peg into a round hole by, by making them live here. And then when you add other cultures on top of that, like, you know, from the south, the, the, the mestizo and can, Asian cultures, it, the whole thing ends up being a big quagmire. It can never work unless we're all mixed. So that's the objective of the Jew, is to destroy all the races, especially the white race, and mix it with all the others so that they could recreate India or Iran or Iraq, or Egypt, <laughs> or, or That's, get, Greece, yeah. is, Greece has almost slid down to the level of Egypt, and that's the reason, because there were very few white Greeks left, and there haven't been a majority of white Greeks since the 17th century, yet, you know, the Turks had ruled over Greece until 1825. And the Jews and the Muslims had their run of Greece all the way to 1825. And the Jews and the Muslims, if you go read, and I've discussed this in my history of the Jews in Europe, they always got along perfectly well together. They got along perfectly well together until 1945. <laughs> that's, that's when all of this fake state of Palestine created all of this artificial strife between Jews and Muslims. Actually, the Muslims are still in the employ of Jews today. That's why they're. That's why the Jews are bringing them into Europe in huge numbers, and and they're still doing the dirty work of Satan. For seven hundred years, the Turks had their run of Greece, from the fourteenth century until the nineteenth century, maybe six hundred years, and most of those Greeks, they're Turks. If you go read the classics, the Greeks describe themselves as, as having ivory skin and yellow hair or golden hair. Their That's what I used to have. had blue eyes and gray eyes. Yeah, I, I used to have blonde hair. Uh, now it's well, well there kinda... are some, I, I don't know what your ethnic background is. There are some white Greeks left, but they're a very small minority. I Well, my, my hair is getting grayer. It used to be blonde. I'm... Uh, my ethnic background, just for the record, everybody out there, I'm Scotch, Irish, English, Slovak, Norwegian, and Swede. Wow, that's more to me. <laughs> I'm I'm a Scotch and English on my mother's side, and German and Irish on my father's side. So I'm kind of a European mutt. Um, that's that's my background, and 
So when I when I saw this going on with Europe a year ago, I was deeply disturbed. Um, so that that's when that's really what started me down this path is like, wow, what are they doing to Europe? I'm like, yeah, for whatever reason, I always thought the United States, you know, I'm like, I, I kind of thought the Mexican invasion was inevitable on a certain level, and like, yeah, we're the United States, people want to come here, but I always thought, well, we got Europe though, and then now, well, we don't have Europe anymore, uh, right? And Australia is just slowly sinking to the same level that the U.S. is. It's being, the aboriginals are being elevated. The Chinese are being, buying up property and coming in in large numbers. Australia is headed the same way. Canada, Canada, I, I mean, I've heard Canadians call Vancouver Hong-Coover because there's so many chinks in it. Yeah, well, I've, I've been to Vancouver. I was there in 2012, and yeah, rest assured, there are a lot of Asian people coming and going out of Vancouver. So there's, uh, there's another podcast on my site called No Safe Haven. We're all going to have to face this race war. It's coming. And whites are either going to stand up and band together or they're going to die on their bellies with Leroy on their backs. That's what maybe it gets I, down to. And we'll, we'll, come, we'll, we'll get in... Yeah, the, the next show we'll we'll definitely dive into that uh, in in more detail. Um, I guess maybe to, to wrap this one up is okay. So now, people, you should have a good idea of who the European people are and and who the Jews are. So this this state today that calls itself Israel, in in fact, has nothing to do with ancient Israel. They're stealing our identity. Um, and it turns out the, these people, they're, they're demons. They killed our God. Now they're seeking to kill us to steal our birthright of, of eternal life through uh, Yahshua Christ. Right. There's a whole bunch of layers of abstraction that, that correspond to this. Yeah, that's kind of that's kind of the way I view it. Um, well, that's and, exactly it from, from the scriptural viewpoint of the struggle between Jacob, who obeyed his father and mother and was blessed for it, and Esau, who was a race mixer, who was cursed for it. And it, it, it goes back that far. And I guess maybe just to, to kind of wrap things up here now, um, a term you might hear is, hey, are you a white supremacist? Of course I am, because Yahweh God had promised to elevate his people above all other peoples of the earth. So I'm not really a white supremacist, I'm really a God supremacist, because yeah, I believe God. Precisely, yeah, and that's, and uh, one other thing I wanted to throw out there now, do we believe that white people are perfect? No, no, hell no, we're the biggest sinners, that's what gets us into this mess, that's the whole story of the Bible. If we were perfect, God wouldn't have divorced us uh, because we didn't follow what He said. So then He, right. you know, he, he made the covenant with us. Then we 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 broke it, and then He divorced us. And that's and these so we got dumped. So here, that's how we've been floating along now for the last few thousand years. Well, well, uh, the, um, what we have is that we have the capacity to be blessed by God and to prosper and to build wonderful civilizations and to create wonderful inventions that the other races don't have. 
They don't have that capacity. The Chinese were sitting in the dirt for 2,000 years before the white man industrialized China these last 100 years. The same thing with Japan. The Japanese were back in medieval times in the 19th century. It was the white British, and, and it was the Jews who were behind it financially, but it was the white corporations of Britain and America that brought all their technology to Japan and industrialized it. Sony, Standard Oil New York, RG yep. Victor Corporation, Japan Victor Corporation, um, American Telegraph and te Telephone and Telegraph, Nippon Telephone and Telegraph. All of these companies in Japan were started by Americans and, and Brits, and if we did not intervene in China or Japan, their state would be the same exact state it was in 200 years ago. They would be right at the level they were in in the 18th century. Yeah, so we've seen uh, globalization and... We were supposed to be a separate and holy people, right? And 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 we okay, we disobeyed that. So as we can see here, white people uh, are not perfect. Um, we didn't do what we were instructed to do by God. So we've paid a, a very steep price for that. Right, we're paying it today. I know yeah. you wanted to get rid of me half an hour ago. We could go for another three hours. I don't care. But, but there's really no time limit on these shows. I was just thinking of the audience out there if they can hang with all of this so uh, uh you know if you've got anything to add bill go ahead and let it out no, we, uh, we'll, we could come back in in a week or two and I'll, I'll be just as energetic okay all right so uh i guess uh, anything you want to wrap up with here no thank you i i mean we didn't i, I could have said a lot more about ancient history to prove my point i think i gave enough of a sketch so that people that are that are interested in in hearing me out can go to my essays page on the top menu at, at Christagenia, and, and in the middle column, there's a whole list of historical essays proving Christian identity. It's 13 simple essays. I tried to keep them as simple as possible, while also putting enough proofs from archaeological inscriptions and ancient histories, classical histories, and I list every book, chapter, and verse. So that, that my point is proven. Yeah, that's awesome. Okay, so we've got some good background right here. We before we can, you know, take a look at the future or you know the the present or the near future. I guess we, we needed to figure out you know who the who Europeans are, who Israel truly is, and who the Jews are. So right. that we've accomplished that much today. And uh, I think people should, you might have to listen to this show a couple times if these concepts are new to you. I mean, I've listened to, you know, hundreds of hours of Bill's stuff and, uh, you know, Eli James and Kingdom Identity. And it, it, it it's finally starting to click in for me. So hopefully um, others in the audience will, will find this of value and um, it will help explain the world around them that they're seeing today. It should. So yeah, many thanks, Bill. And Thank uh, there'll be at least one more show in this. Um, we hope to cover, you know, the 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 end times. You know, uh, events like uh, you know the time of Jacob's trouble, uh, the wedding feast of the Lamb, 
And, right. Uh, we could do a quick survey of the revolution, the revelation in history, and and what we have in front of us. And and what we have in front of us is written on the wall. I mean, if you don't see it by now, you're going to stay blind until you die. Yeah, I think this this next show it, it's going to really draw the picture for you. And yeah, if you don't see it, then this stuff probably isn't for you, and uh, you should just go along about your merry way. Right, because sometimes ignorance is bliss. Thank you. Yeah, this 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 stuff isn't for everybody. And uh, thanks for joining me, Bill. And right, uh, right. we'll have another show here in a week or two, and uh, we we will dive into the end times hardcore. Take care. Have a good night.